There's no way out I've got to show them what I've become There's no doubt Got my back to the wall And I'm still hanging on There's no way Troubles in my life have been all the same With a strain in my mind getting hurt again There's a pain in my heart but it's just a game Gotta get over it, won't go insane Won't achieve anything while I'm down Don't wanna give out my heavyweighted frown I'm stopping this now, I'ma turn it around Heaven's on the ground, now I'm looking at the clouds Gonna make a change like a change, bigger getting changed Gonna stay the same with my mind frame rearranged Gonna wish the blue out my mind and my eyes Was I blind in my mind? Cause that was old times Cause I'm starting fresh with a clear vision You can even spell my name in optimism Just track the M's, an I and the P And then what you're left with is me Welcome to tonight's episode of the Zod Ryder Show. I am Zod Ryder, and with me tonight is my very special guest from YouTube's Bloody Breakdown. This is Chauncey Robinson, and she is soon to become the vampire nurse from the <laughs> Conjuring Universe. <laughs> Welcome, Chauncey, to the show. How are Thank you? you? I'm good. Well, I do have one correction. Actually, it's I do uh, the Bloody Breakdown as uh, my movie reviews, but the whole channel itself is the Twisted Girl Next Door TV. And if they wanted me in the Conjuring <laughs> movie, I totally do it. I don't. It's not. That's not a, an official thing, though. So. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, you you seriously look like the best vampire nurse that I've ever seen. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, that looks just like 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 a shot just right out of the movies. And I instantly thought of the Conjuring universe when I saw your saw your pic that you had posted, and you'd said that that was like a throwback picture that you did. How long ago were you that vampire nurse? I was the vampire nurse maybe two years ago. Last year I was Cruella Deville. I was going to do a flashback for that. This whole month i'm kind of doing like flashback pictures on my twitter of like past costumes in the past because i was only the vampire nurse i was only the vampire nurse like just once and this last halloween i had like three different costumes so i really did it up this past one though Oh wow! Well, you know what? You're, it was absolutely amazing. I mean, like I said, it looked <laughs> like a you. shot right out of a movie. And honestly, you, you know, it it, it fits it fits you perfectly. I mean, if you were a va- if you were a vampire <laughs> oh, nurse, I would compliment. Yeah, if you were if you were a vampire nurse, I would totally let you drain me. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be like the best. That'd be like the best death scene ever. <laughs> but uh, on tonight's show, we're going to be talking mostly, well, about all sorts of different movie topics and stuff. There's a lot of great stuff that came out, but mainly we're going to be talking about the Halloween franchise tonight. Um, Chauncey's only with us for the first hour of tonight's show. But the, but the Halloween franchise is about to get a shot in the arm of revitalization with the release of a 
of a Halloween sequel that's actually coming out this Friday. So this is good. Uh, this was uh, this was kind of good topping for this show, T- timing for this show. We've been trying to do this show, I think, you and me since, what, July, I think? Yeah, some weeks. Uh, We're very good <laughs> people, y'all. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and things just, you know, things just kind of, you know, things just kind of go, you know, go all sorts of different directions. But that, so this was serendipity to actually do it in October. It was like the universe wanted us to do it in October. Absolutely, and especially given the fact that, you know, Halloween is coming out this week. So that's, that's, you know, perfect, you know, leading up talking about, you know, the Halloween franchise as a whole, and then, and then talking about, you know, our feelings about the upcoming, uh, rebooted sequel, which, I, which is, which is something else entirely. So, yes, ha, ha, so, so how do you feel being such a huge horror fan that you are? How do you feel about, you know, the Halloween franchise just in general right now, mainly? Like, what's your, what are your feelings towards it? Well, you know, the thing about the Halloween franchise, I know without it, we wouldn't have had like the slash. I mean, we had slasher films in the past, but you know, the Halloween franchise, you know, with Michael Myers in particular, uh, started, you know, kind of the kind of style that we have now, that sort of boogeyman, but he's an actual person or is he an actual person? If, you know, you talk about the history of the franchise and whatnot. So I've always, I've always loved the first one and I did like the, some of the sequels. You know, I do think it was uh, a franchise where it needed to get its footing in terms of the kind of what, what was the real canon. Um, I think with every movie, we don't, a lot of people don't talk about the third one, I guess. Um, you know, after third one, when Michael Myers returns, it was kind of like, okay, now we have to decide what is he? And, and I, there's always comparison between Michael Myers and, um, you know, Jason Voorhees. And I will admit, sometimes I am team Jason just because I know his canon a bit more. Like I know what he is. You know, they, they kind of established that by like the third film and, but with Michael Myers, there is something so creepy about him, especially if we look at the new interpretation that we're getting. There's so something so creepy about someone who, you know, is human for for the most part, of course, and just so evil, but in such a muted way. And there's something that's really resonating about that because he's not your out and out monster, but he is a monster in a very tangible way. Like he could be somebody, you know, and something. Uh, which I think really is something that has resonated with people for so long where Michael Myers is kind of like the, the real boogeyman, um, in that sense. So he is, he's very terrifying. And that's probably why I always lean towards Jason and even Freddy Krueger because it was kind of like, oh yeah, monsters. But like Michael Myers, there's something really intimidating about him as a, as a villain. The thing I always got thrown off about with Michael Myers is just the idea of them never being able to decide if he was supernatural or if exactly. he was human. And, <laughs> and, and like you said, and that's why I, I agree with you completely. My favorite horror franchise of all time, and everybody that knows me knows this already. I had, I had a uh, Lisa Wilcox on my show not too long ago is Nightmare on Elm Street. And my absolute, oh my God. and my absolute favorite, my absolute favorite Nightmare on Elm Street film, slightly is Nightmare on Elm Street Four because it was such a product of the '80s and it was so 
Um, and it just, and it just speaks to me, even to this day, it just feels like a big music video with Freddie in it, and it's just, and it's just epic. <laughs> and then of course my, and then of course my second all, my second all-time favorite Elm Street movie is the, is the third one, the, yes. uh, Dream, Dream Warriors, I love that one. I think that's your number one. See, yeah, I, I did, I did research, I did read my research on you. I think your number one is the, is the Dream Warriors. And I, I completely agree with you in terms of, you know, the seriousness and the scope of it all, and it is just an epic movie, and then of course, um, but, as far as the Halloween franchise goes, I think I think the idea that there's an identity crisis with Michael, and <laughs> yes! because we and because we don't know what he is, it's hard to get behind him and to say, well, you know, you know, he's you know he's this this and this, and he is absolutely creepy. And I think I kind of feel like the Rob Zombie movies tried to humanize him a little more than yeah. some of the later sequels that we got in the original uh, Halloween franchise. I will be honest, I'm not exactly a huge super fan of a lot of the sequels that we got in the original Halloween continuity. Yeah. Although I did like all of the movies for various reasons, and I, you know, I had this idea that you and I would break down the, each of the movies, but I don't really think that that's necessary, because the movies themselves are... Are, are sequels and sequels are standard fare for, for that kind of thing. And I'm just super excited for the, for the upcoming movie that we're going to get starting this Friday because I think that movie is doing, is doing where all, what all the other sequels failed to do, which is once again humanizing Michael Myers. And I think that that's a good thing. I think he should be more human than supernatural and I think that makes him more terrifying. I don't know. What, what do you think? No, I totally agree. That's That was one of the things I, I was saying, like, with leaning towards who, um, you know, Michael Myers is. One of the things that was ma- that made him different from, you know, like I was saying, uh, Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees and, and such was the fact that, well, at least in the first film, um, he was all human. He was a, a kid who, for whatever reason, went off the rails early on, breaks out of, you know, the, you know, breaks out of uh, the sane asylum or whatever and goes on a ranch trip, but he's still very human. He goes back to this town, what he knows and wreaks havoc on it. And there's something so, um, like I said, so resonating about that, especially, you know, in this day and age where, or just in our society in general, where some of the worst quote unquote monsters are very human, right? They have human faces. And um, I think, one of the things like we were talking about with the sequels is the problem was, you know, well, with the sequels, John Carver and, um, you know, you know, great, great, you know, director and writer and all that, uh, you know, they originally thought this was going to be an anthology series, right? Like, you know, it was, they kind of concluded Michael Myers in the sequel and then they wanted to do something completely differently, uh, you know, completely different with the third one. And whether that's where we got the season of the witch where, I mean, some people don't like talking about that film because it was like, hey, no Michael Myers. But, you know, it became a thing where the reception wasn't that great. Why? Because people associated Halloween, this franchise, with Michael Myers. He was the boogeyman. He was the very human boogeyman with the William Shatner spray painted face. You know, it was, you know, it was that sort of thing that um, I think resonated with people a bit more. And I think what we're seeing with this sequel 
Um, one, Jamie Lee Curtis coming back for one. That's just awesome. Because when you have a villain like that, you need a very human raw soul, I think, to counter that. And I think that's what we've seen in other franchises where it works the best, where you have, to me personally, I do lean towards women that, you know, really strong women uh, characters. But I think there's a reason for that, right? Because you have this very human, uh, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis character and what she went through. And we're seeing, you know, what happened to her in all those years after that very traumatizing experience. And you have other franchises where you need that raw human soul to go against that villain that makes people invested in the stakes of it. And I think um, that's what they've been doing, I think, with the trailer releases. I mean, yeah, they've been focused on Michael Myers, but they've also, there's been a big play up of Jamie Lee Curtis's character and, and who she is, you know, and that's probably, maybe that's because of our political climate now, who knows, but there, I think that also resonates with people, this strong woman kind of, you know, taking her life back after living in fear for so long or living in wait to uh, face this trauma again that she went through. And I think there's something really um, exciting about that. I will say, you know, when I first, because, you know, everyone talk. I mean, I do a horror channel and I write, I'm a journalist and whatnot. And uh, I do, you know, I pay attention to what people say about horror movies, but we all know everyone's got an opinion about every movie. And sometimes I want to just like not know what everyone thinks at first. So I can kind of have my own, kind of thought process that's weird to say that as a critic but like because I'm telling people don't listen to me at first but um I think with with this I didn't know that they were like just going to totally ignore the sequels at first and then when I saw Jamie Lee Curtis I was like well didn't she die <laughs> I'm like, what's yes. going on? Yes, she died in resur- <laughs> she died in resurrection in like the first like 10 minutes right. of that movie she was dead so that you know that in and of itself makes it so amazing that they brought her back and decided to say, we're going to make a serious take. We're going to do this. Although I will say, I didn't have really have all that many issues with Jamie Lee Curtis came, coming back for the sequel she came back in because she was wonderful in those. Yes. So it's, so it's going to be, a, but it's, but this really does look like a more serious and definitive take on the character. And I wanted to ask you, a question now since we're since we're gearing towards that and we're discussing you know Jamie Lee Curtis coming back and reprising a role where her character already died in that continuity and Halloween has all these various continuities now but how do you feel about about that idea with sequels coming out and essentially being uh the I believe the term now is is coined as requels where they take a movie and they decide to abandon all the other sequels or some of the sequels and just pick up wherever they feel they feel like doing it because they have a better story to tell. I believe they're doing that with uh, RoboCop. They're going to go and do an actual direct sequel to the original RoboCop and just ignore uh, the the other sequels that they had and all the other incarnations. What what do you think about that? Do you think that that's a good direction to go in? Um, and do you think that that, I mean, don't, do you think that that's kind of arrogant on the part of these other people or it's a good thing because they don't want to deal with the mishmash of uh, crazy continuities that they can't possibly write themselves out of these plot holes? What do, what do you think? 
Um, well, you know, my thing is, um, I think storytellers, there's always a new story to tell, although all stories have been told. And I know that sounds contradicting, you know, in the sense that there's always a new interpretation because no story is the same if there's a different person telling it. And I think in that sense, if you can respect the source material, then I think you have a chance to do something really that could be really great, right? If you respect the the source material and not come to a franchise or to a beloved, weird to say beloved in a horror picture, but a beloved villain or a beloved boogeyman or whatever, and think, oh, we could just do this better than what made this you know, popular in the first place. See, and there's a difference with that. You know, we've seen remakes. I'm just hearing for the first time with you tonight, hearing the word recall. I hadn't heard about recall. That's so, like, I don't even know. Like, I I hope that's not, doesn't become a trend, to be honest, because I think in this particular sense, with the Halloween franchise, this made sense. Because like we were saying earlier, the Michael Myers franchise, which is that's what it is, has always had an issue with continuity. And a lot of the sequels after the first one, you know, it felt like they were just adding on stuff. It was like, wow, he's still alive. So we've got to do something about a cult and an amulet or whatever to kind of justify how he's still immortal. Like just stuff was added on so they could keep making movies. And I think what, you know, they're doing with this new one is basically getting back to the source material. And in that sense, it's great. You know, yes, you do what's sacrificed in the sense of whichever canon you're following is all the other sequels, but it's not like those movies no longer exist, right? You can still go to them. It's like comic books. There's always different universes <laughs> all the time. I remember in reading X-Men, there were so many different universes, so many different teams. Like that's, that, that's the way you can approach it. Um, I do think I'm not a big fan of sequels, uh, not sequels. I'm not a big fan of remakes all the time, just because I feel like if it's not broke, don't fix it. But I think if they can bring something new to it, that's fine. I know there's been some talk around um, Candyman because it was, uh, I think Jordan Pill brought it up or that there was talk of him doing it. And he's doing the Twilight series and stuff. And I'm excited about the Twilight series. Um, and I think in that sense, you can be excited about that because I think Jordan Pill is a, char- is a, is a person who will probably respect the, the source material. Um and then you have other situations like that whole Chucky thing where, you know. The- oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> that that's that's horrible. I, I you know, I just want to say, you know, your comment about Jordan Peele doing the Twilight Zone. I I can't think of a better of a better guy in uh, Hollywood right now to tackle that. I think he will. I think he will give us the best Twilight Zone since the classic uh, Rod Serling episodes. And I, I'm, re- I'm really looking forward to it. I, I couldn't be, I mean, I, that's something I, I'm in complete agreement with you on. I could not be more happy about that. That's brilliant. That's going to be great. Yeah. And just to add to that, like the reason why I feel like he's like the best person for the, the part and not just because of Get Out, but like, it's like you were just saying about Rod Serling, like just the idea what sometimes, you know, when people get nostalgic about stuff, they forget like some of the, the real nitty gritty of how some of these stories came about. And, you know, the Twilight Zone, the original, it's one of my favorite series. Like the Twilight Zone was actually a very progressive series. He dealt dealt with absolutely so many. I mean, they were totally, yeah, totally, totally ahead of its time. I mean, if you go back and you look at a lot of those, those episodes, I mean, it just, it's unbelievable. Right. He just tackled so much. Prophetic. (laughs) Prophetic. (laughs) 
<laughs> to the point where, you know, people were, you know, there were like, there was, you know, a little bit of backlash and things of that nature. But the fact that that was able to happen in the time that it made, I think when you have Jordan Pill coming about, who, who did get out, which he thought was based, which he said is the documentary. Like you said, he's the perfect person for this kind of series. If you want to make it in the same, like once again, going back to what we were saying, respecting the source material, because the source material of the Twilight Zone was taking this kind of fractured mirror in a very twisted universe and really reflecting society. Exactly. Yep. I mean, you summed up the Twilight Zone perfectly. I mean, and, and the and the greatest thing about that is that you you now you're going to get you know you're going to get that same kind of thing reflected back on our society. And mm-hmm. I think Jordan and I think Jordan Peele will do the same thing. He'll do the same thing that Rod Serling did, and he'll take us in directions that we will consider to be ahead of our time. So it's, I mean, I, I just think it's a win-win for everybody, and that that. That makes it because again, there's been various uh, attempts to reboot the Twilight Zone mm-hmm. over the decades. They've tried so many different times, and you know, in some ways, in some, I think in the '80s they tried redoing it, and they were a little. I think they were a little bit successful because they, you know, touched on the spirit of the original, but ultimately, you know. You know, various, you know, various reboots after that, they did, they didn't really do very well. But yeah, I think he's the perfect, uh, guy for the job. It's gonna be, it's gonna be incredible. I, I think it's gonna give Black Mirror a run for its money, to be it will. honest with you. I, I never really got into Black Mirror. I know a lot of people always talk about it. Cause, I mean, I guess the, the thing is, I guess the running theme is technology or something. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and there, there have been so, so many episodes of Black Mirror that I thought were absolutely brilliant, but then there were some, there were quite a few where I thought were just completely, we're just completely missed because, as you pointed out, the technology element in Black Mirror is done to death. I mean, they yes. really, <laughs> they really, really focus on technology and really, um, particularly, I think you know a lot of, a lot of episodes have continued to veer into the direction of just how immersive virtual reality is going to eventually be on our society. And I, you know, and I have to say, I don't know how you feel about virtual reality, but I'm scared for the future because I really feel like we are headed in that direction. And when we are living in a, at a point where virtual reality is completely indistinguishable from the real world, people are going to have very little incentive to continue trying and continue working hard in the real world when they can have everything they want in the virtual world. I think, I mean, that's definitely, I mean, that's definitely a fear for sure. I guess, I guess for me, and that's, and that's probably why I couldn't get into Black Mirror as much because I'm like, yes, that's cool to talk about for maybe, maybe a couple episodes and whatnot. But I do think there's so, I guess I'm one of those people who's a little bit more like, there's so many other immediate things to worry about. Right now, then we're technology. I mean, yes, technology is a fear, but then there's like, you know, we may not actually have an earth 
in like a couple of decades because of global warming to like things of that nature where it's well yeah yeah well you got well yeah you got to think about that when we have a when 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 we're be when we're being when we're being led as a country by someone who believes climate change change is a is a chinese hoax i mean that we're we're in a we're in we're in we got a problem going on here i agree with you i'm like are we in a living twilight zone episode yes i think yes we are ask that question I have. I, I, I've begun to wonder if we have somehow veered from the dimension we were living in and we are now living in a different dimension, like an, almost like an alternative earth, like that TV show Sliders, uh-huh. where we're live, we're living on an alternate earth, but it, where it's the same earth in the same year, but just everything is different. And right. I think, and I think that's what I, I really sometimes feel like that's what's happened. Because when you look at, you know, th- you know, all of, you know, not just, you know, not just our political climate, but just things in general. I mean, it just seems like, the world is not what it was for some reason. It just has veered off into this weird twilight zone ish type of environment. And I, and I'm, you know, I'm completely with you on that. I've, I've questioned that numerous times. So <laughs> I, think, I, I wouldn't be me, surprised. That's why I love horror so much because there's so many different aspects of being able to explore the, these very topics we're talking about. We can talk about the technology. We can talk about our political structure in such a way and you can do it in a way that you know doesn't bludgeon people over the head uh well someone gets bludgeoned over the head like like the like like the like uh like the purge uh franchise for example you know there's 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 a group of there's a group of people there's a group of people out in the world that actually believe that the purge should be something that that should be considered (laughs) and i look at that and i say well no but actually the the you know it, it all the purge actually is is a is a social commentary. That's all the purge is. The purge is doing a, is doing a good job with the social commentary because those movies are very inexpensive to make and they make a lot of money. And then there's that TV show. So they, you know, so they got their, they got their thing going. I don't think those purge movies are going to stop anytime soon. Yeah. I mean, and just to speak to like the purge and then like it connects back to, um, to Halloween, the Halloween franchises, Blumhouse is doing, uh, the Halloween franchise, the yeah. Halloween reboot. They've done, they they did, they've, they do the purge. They've done Happy Death Day. They've done, you know, and the purge is, like I said, I think the latest installment was really great. And they've had some other films that, you know, I'm really, you know, I mean, they're not like super independent as much anymore because they do have a good amount of money, but they're not like the big, big studio type thing. And I think what they have done is, you know, take these stories like we were just saying about horror and thrillers and whatnot and really just, you know, give up and coming, you know, horror visionaries and others a chance to really kind of put their stance on the storytelling method. Which I don't think we would have gotten. I don't think we would have gotten Get Out and others uh, if it wasn't for you know studios like that taking chances on on this kind of material that we need. We probably get a lot more, you know, some of the stuff that we were getting before, which were like you know rip off slasher flicks that look like everything else. Um, I think the '80s was probably the best time for horror movies, but yes. I think we're coming into a new era where we're getting some a variety of stuff that all holds its own weight you know there was there was a there was a there was a dry period though but i think we're getting back to it 
Yeah, and, and I mean, that's, that's very, you know, encouraging and positive for those of us out there that are really, really, really strong horror fans. And, you know, getting, getting back to Halloween, I, I think, I think this is, um, I had read something a couple of days ago where they've, uh, apparently they've already greenlit the sequel to this Halloween movie that we're getting on Friday. And that, and that says a lot about the direction that they're going in. Hmm. So now, if you were confused about Halloween continuity and you wanted to look there, I, I actually watched a, a YouTube video last weekend that made my head spin where this guy actually sat down and he broke down like the three or four different, uh, continuity, uh, continuities for the Halloween movie franchise that you could, that you could latch onto if you were a fan and you didn't like one particular direction or you, you know, wanted to stay a certain way or whatever. And they, and he, I mean, he really, he, I mean, he really broke down the entire, the entire franchise. And it's just like, and to me, I thought about that. I'm like, well, gee, are we going to do something like that on this show? And I'm like, I don't think I want to work my brain that much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I said, like, I felt like once again, like just, even when I was going back over some of the plots, because you forget them after a bit, because right, it's exactly. just like, you know, like this whole thing, there was something about an amulet or whatever. And I didn't even, I mean, I thought we got Paul Rudd and one of his first stars. Oh yeah. That was, I think that was the, the producer's franchise. cut. Yeah. We had the producer's cut of Halloween six that dealt with the, that dealt with the amulets and the, and the cult. Yeah. And I was just <laughs> Which, like, okay. which which in reality i you know i really i i was always sitting there thinking if they were to just if they were to just take all of these big horror icons you know you know hellraiser nightmare on elm street halloween and friday the 13th and just merge them into this one big devil devilish hellish universe I think we could get some incredible movies, <laughs> but, you know, almost like what Universal wanted to do with their monster franchise, but they keep failing no matter what they do. This is, you know, I, you know, these horror, these horror icons just deserve, deserve more and they deserve better. And I think, I think that, you know, it looks to me based off of the trailers and based off of what we're getting that Halloween is on the right track. Yeah, and I think, you know, and I think one of the reasons why it's on the right track, one of the reasons when I saw the trailer, I did a trailer reaction actually for the second official trailer, I believe, yes. of Halloween on my on my channel. <laughs> Some of the faces you make are awesome in your trailer reactions. <laughs> I'm watching your trailer reaction, I'm like, wow, there you go. That totally encapsulates <laughs> the the feeling for this. This yeah, that that's that's it was intense. That's incredible. And, yeah, and one of the things that was intense about it, and I, and this is why I love the Conjuring universe. I know I'm just bringing in all types of other franchises, but you know, and I think this Halloween one does that too. What the original did, what well, it was like, it's like old school horror. You know what I mean? It's like you don't necessarily always see it. You kind of see it when he kills somebody. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. But it's really the fear of the dark. He's the boogeyman. There's the fear of. Is he going to is he going to come out from the shadows? It's a fear of is that girl going to walk into the room? Is he going to be there? And I think that's what people have been um, craving lately. You know, I think that's why the conjuring like the first conjuring and even the second one 
did so well because it did it returned to old school horror because I think in our day and age like we were talking about with society is that we've gotten kind of desensitized to um you know there's been horror I'm not a big fan of body horror or like really gory horror although I really enjoyed Mandy uh which was really bloody but it was like you know there's some that it's just gratuitous to a certain degree and a little bit much to the point where it loses that fear. It's just kind of like, whoa, let's look at someone get killed as opposed to the anticipation, the fear. And I think that's what the Halloween franchise gets back to. I think that's what people want, where we've become so decent inside that we want to kind of scale back and like kind of less is more in this regard. Exactly. Yeah, less is more. And that's one of the things that I really appreciated about Mandy because I had fears that that movie was going to go into a gory direction, Mm -hmm. but it didn't. And that made me very, very happy. Like, I thought we were going to get some really, really gruesome, horrible, horrible deaths. And although there was some, although there was some really crazy stuff that happened, I mean, it wasn't unpalatable in terms of trying to watch it. So, I mean, I did, I did appreciate the fact that, that Mandy took the less is more approach. So, yeah, I yeah, as much as it could given the plot right. line, what <laughs> right? Do. Given the plot line, and I will say, like, I yeah, I just recently did um, a review of Mandy on my channel, and it was, and one of the things I was pleasantly surprised about, I was just like, I knew this was going to be, you know, one of those revenge horror kind of bloody gory, but they did it in such a stylized way that it worked, and it's funny enough because um, just you know, and um, kind of brushing up on uh, the history of the Halloween franchise, you know, with the first one. When there were so many critics panning, you know, it got a great reception. Of course, it was it was a, a box office success. But with so many other critics, some somewhat panning the uh, the film. Roger Ebert, you know, one of my favorite. Like, I mean, one of the reasons why I loved like love talking about movies and stuff is because of him. Um, gave it a great review, and he was saying, yeah. you know, he was talking about how good this film was. That it, the way it was shot, the way it created an atmosphere, and that's the thing about a really good horror franchise and good horror um, movie is that you know it creates a universe it creates a it, it creates a great atmosphere of fear of anticipation I mean that's what Mandy did it created this wonderful atmosphere that you get sucked into this world so you can really you know believe the stakes that are involved and I think what the Halloween franchise is doing it created it's creating that atmosphere of I mean who would have thought in this day and age with so much you know, show me kind of gruesome monsters, explosion and stuff that simple Michael Myers with his overalls and his, like I said, uh, spray painted William Shatner mask would, would be so terrifying to people. But once again, it's because people are responding to that atmosphere, that style that they are now reinforcing again, which I, I just love. I love seeing that. And I think it makes it fun to go back to the movies and get into horror. Um, because, you know, horror sometimes is like the, uh, I hate to say like the redheaded stepchild of the film industry. It's like the cheapest to make at times makes the most money off of in comparison to how much it costs to make. Yet they don't always treat it with respect. But you have so many great films. From it, Halloween being one of them, the first one, you know. Yes, and and again, you know, going back to what you were saying, creating the atmosphere, and then and then focusing on character-driven elements, which which I think which I think is what we're getting from these trailers, 
for this movie, which is so brilliant, which is why everybody is so hyped up. I think, I think this movie is going to be a box office smash, and I think it's going to surprise everyone. Because I, I've heard, I'm hearing people saying, well, it's probably not going to make all that much money. And I, and I'm thinking, no, I'm thinking it's going to be huge. It really oh. is. I think it's going to have like, it's going to have a, a strange effect in, at the box office where it's going to make way more money than it really has any right to make. <laughs> Exactly. No, I, I agree with you. I think it's going to break records. I mean, I know Venom actually broke records recently. What I was reading from Bloody Disgusting and other outlets and people wasn't expecting that. But I think, you know, it's one of those things where you try to anticipate, you know, what the what the audience wants. And sometimes, you know, I don't critics, of course. And once again, I hate, I'm saying this as a critic. We don't know. People don't always get it right. You know, they. I think at times, you know, we have an industry where critics, some of them are so academic, quote unquote, with the way they look at some of these films and, and, and whatnot, where they kind of miss that the whole point is that a film's supposed to be entertaining to somebody. You know, <laughs> like it has to be entertaining. Right. Right. A lot of people way. are not going a lot. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I think, you know, I agree with you. I think a lot of these critics f- forget that a lot, you're not going into a superhero film or a, or a horror film for intellectual depth. And a lot of it is, you know, you, you know, that you pan the hell out of these movies and then, and then you miss the mark and you miss the whole point. That's why there's such a vast divide between audiences and critics on a lot of films. Well, I, I mean, would it's actually, just, yeah. Well, I would actually extend that not just to horror and action. I mean, you can have the nuance in any film, I believe, horror even more so. I think there are some really, great horror nuanced horror films where certain so-called oscar bait films fall short because they're trying too hard to be deep and the thing is it becomes so inauthentic you know and then you have sure. these critics who are like that didn't make me cry or this you know this was missing from this plot development and it's like yes there's this disconnect because i think every movie not just horror action i think every movie should be entertaining that's why i'm not the biggest fan of you know, the Oscars or so, or certain so-called Oscar bait movies. So I'm like, I feel like you're not making this movie for a wider audience, which to me is the point. You're making this movie for this select group of people that you hope vote for you to, you exactly. know. Exactly. And I'm exactly. like, how is that filmmaking? How is that, not even just filming, how is that storytelling? Right. And I, I, you know, I look at, I look at it like that and I say, I, you know, when you always, you always see this huge, huge divide and, and it's like, I can't understand why you would want to be, uh, why you'd want to listen to someone else before forming your own opinion. And that's always something that has troubled me about the fast world that we live in that, you know, Everybody knows everything about movies, about these movies before they come out. You know so much, and then and then the critics come out with their reviews, and then people say, "Well, you know, my favorite critic said it was a terrible movie, so I didn't I didn't go see it or whatever." And you know, you miss out because just because the critic you like didn't get something doesn't mean that it's not going to somehow resonate with you. You should always make your own decisions and make your own form your own opinion based off of what you're seeing in front of you because you never know you might miss out on something and yeah, that's I, just the truth yeah I, I agree with that for sure I will say though I mean and it's just me trying to like 
defend my occupation. But I do think we do live in a, a world where it costs money to go to the movies these days. Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Know? And for a lot of people, <laughs> you know, you're paying not just 15 dollars You're paying over 30 dollars if you want to eat there, if you're not trying to sneak in your candy, uh-huh. all that other stuff. And if you're going on a date or whoever, um, I do think there is... You know, because to me, when I think of movie reviews or even movie critiques, I think of product review. You know, like it's nice to look it up, you know, if you're going to buy a camera to see what someone says about it. But like you said, I don't want to know every single detail. I don't want to know the spoilers. I would like to know like the sometimes the structure of it. And if this is something that has wide appeal, and I think that's what Roger Ebert did, right? I remember staying sure. late and he used to come on, like, I think it was like after, it was on ABC, I think he used to come on. And it was like, it was like, yeah, after he, would do, uh, he would do, he would do at, he would do at, it was called at the movies Movie. or something. Yeah. And it'd be like a five minute thing. He'd give it a, you know, a grade or whatever, or, or his stars. And that would be enough. It'd be enough. Cause he'd tell you what, it was nice and to the point. And, it, but it was so, because he got movies, he got the whole idea, made recipes of entertainment. And what this would mean to an audience, you know, and not necessarily like, oh, this is my bias, but this is my critique of this thing. And I think I do agree that we've kind of lost that nuance where there are um, people who um, uh, kind of I don't want to say spoil it for everybody, but do make it so kind of the occupation is to kind of, you know, rag on a movie as opposed to really do a service. To oh yeah. Theater yeah. Well, we'll look at. Well, just I mean, just a perfect example. And I mean, since we, you know, we've brought the movie up several times already, is Venom. If yeah. you look at the movie <laughs> reviews for Venom, and you're and you're looking at, you know, and you're looking at it from a from a buyer's perspective, like, well, should I go see? Venom or should I go see something else this weekend? And you look at the Venom reviews and if you, and you look at how, how bad they are and all the reasons why they're being, it's being panned, you won't go see that. And you'll be, and you'll be missing out if you happen to like those types of movies. So I, I you know, so that's where I'm kind of just like, well, you know, it, it's hard to it's hard to say. I like I like to read the reviews myself, but I like to read the reviews after I've seen the film. Oh yeah, you know, for I, sure. I think that's know, why it, we it, also it, need an expansion of who is an official critic too, which um just Well thank God you are. Thank God thank you are you. an official I critic. That. That is, no, that's gonna, great. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I was actually gonna give a shout out to Rotten Tomatoes because I just became this week um well or last week, uh, an official approved Rotten Tomatoes critic. And I know that was the whole controversy on Venom, you know, where critics, official critics on there. But, you know, Rotten Tomatoes has done a thing where they've expanded, you know, uh, what their critics are going to include diverse voices, to include people who can, you know, like, you know, just to be straight up, you know, a lot of, I mean, I think they did stats and it's not just Rotten Tomatoes, but at one point, you know, like 70% or more, it's usually, you know, white men or whatever who, uh, who older white men who tend to review some of these movies. So I think it's nice to get that different, those different voices. So it's not, not saying that all white men are the same, of course not, but like just the idea of, you know, different lived experiences, different kind of viewpoints on what people find entertaining um, can level that idea of a movie, not exactly getting panned, but being able to find a review or two that gives you a different kind of perspective. So then it's the same for horror movies. I think we need more horror-leaning critics out there, which I am. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. I mean, that that's a good thing. I mean, I'm I'm 
this is what what I'm thinking too, and I and I'm looking at your I'm looking at your review was looking at your review of of the nun not too long ago, <laughs> and I and I thought about you know how much I really didn't care for that movie all that much, but then watching your review and seeing in the the ways that the, the way the things that you pointed out and the way that you broke it all down. That it's you know it, it made sense to me, and I'm like, well, yeah, if you look at it that way. <laughs> so, so I mean, I just you know, I I guess you know, it, it just depends on your perspective, and and again, at the time when you're when you're when you're going into these movies, and I don't know what people, I mean, what critics, major critics were expecting from <laughs> Venom. I don't know what you were expecting Venom to be. To me, Venom came off as like one of those like. 1990s uh superhero movie. I was just about to say that. That's exactly before we what I was before we jump before we jumped into this, you know, to this boon of every superhero movie has to be a, you know, 300 million dollar blockbuster. <laughs> two and a half hours. You know. Yeah, we two and a half hours with, you know, with reshoots to cut the movie down to 2 hours and then replacing uh, a good director with an inferior director and all all that controversy. But no, I think I think you're I think yeah, I think what we got what you got from Venom was just some entertainment, something you could sit down and and watch and like and just enjoy it for what it was, not to take it too seriously and you could turn your brain off and just enjoy what you were getting and I think that's what's missing from a lot of these bigger movies they're like you were saying it's like they're all trying too hard to be something more than they really have to be because a movie's chief objective is to entertain the audience yes and 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 venom venom does that it's a very entertaining film if you suspend disbelief you're not going to have you're not going to really have a problem with it i mean yeah I kind it could have been it could have been worse <laughs> Yeah, it could have been worse. And I and I absolutely I for one would absolutely love to see an R rated director's cut of Venom. I think that that would be awesome. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah, I know they got it down to PG thirteen. But you know, that's the thing about the industry, especially the mainstream industry. It does come back to what makes money and whatnot, which can, you know, be a factor on create can it can hinder creativity at times, for sure. Um, but that's one of the great things about horror, right? Because horror can always have a smaller budget. So you don't always, so those creators don't have to always be beholden to some large mega company who, or studio or whatever, who's like, you know, you're not going to be able to make this film unless we give you the money. Horror has always been like, we can make this on a shoestring budget and we're fine. I mean, some of the, I mean, I mean, one for a time, I'm not the biggest fan of found footage, but that was a big thing. And people did that for next to nothing. So it just shows you how I think uh, survivalist the horror genre is, which makes sense for it. <laughs> I think we I think we dodged a bullet with Friday the Thirteenth because for a while they were going to do this found footage Friday the Thirteenth movie, and I think that that would have been a really bad decision. That would have been horrible. I'm glad that didn't happen. Wow, I'm I'm kind of glad the I mean it's. There's certain moments when found footage is coming back. I'm kind of glad found footage fell off for a bit. I recently, you can find it on my channel too. I recently, finally, for the first time ever, watched Blair Witch Project. Um, oh, I was wondering. I, you know what? It was on the tip of my tongue, and I was just going to ask you about Blair Witch Project because I remember you saying 
You've said this in several of your videos that you've never watched the Blair Witch Project all the way through. And people called my horror card into question. So I sat down and watched it because we were like, how do you, you know, love horror? And it's like, well, that's the great thing about loving horror. There's so many films I haven't seen. I'm excited to see them, right? But um, I sat down and watched that. I actually did a a quote-unquote found footage review of it uh, where I was doing found footage as I watched it. And um, I'll just say uh, I probably would have liked it if I watched it when it first came out. Uh, I didn't care for it in 2018, but that's no, yeah, no. Again, that movie, that movie, that movie has not aged well. I can tell you that. You know that for sure. I mean, I mean, I thought it was cool back then, but I would never watch it now. Yeah, I agree with you completely. But for you, for someone who hasn't seen it, and you being the horror buff that you are. It's important. It was important <laughs> for you to see it. That, I had to get you know, it off my chest. Yeah. Now people can't. Now people cannot call your horror card into question at <laughs> they all. Not. That that is just that is just amazing to me. I mean, I don't see how they could have called it into question anyway, considering that you're not the biggest found footage fan, and you've always made that clear. So, so yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just. But yeah, you you know that's. But I don't know. Getting back to Halloween, I guess, uh, for the for the for the for the final moments that you know I have you on the air, I, I wanted to know what I mean. What uh, what are your predictions? I think we both agree that it's going to be a huge success. But I mean, do you think that it's going to be the shot that the that Halloween needs? That it's going to be, it's going to really it's going to make you people forget about the Rob Zombie movies, and we're going to be in a in a great in a great place. I mean, considering that they greenlit the sequel already. I think they think they got a good movie on their hands. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I think uh, this has great potential. I think they are really pushing it with the trailers in a good way. Once again, I think it's a, uh, a, a return to old school horror, to what made Michael Myers so scary in the first place. And I think they're doing that. I think people are craving that. Um, I think it's going to do well. I think... Um, I don't know. I mean, I do worry though, and this is this is my thing with most stuff. I do worry, um, like you, like it was news to me. Like I said, I don't always try to pay attention to what everything that's going on in horror community because sometimes I like to be surprised. But like the fact that they did already greenlight um, a sequel to this one, I don't know. That gives me pause. I'm kind of like I kind of hope that this second one was going to be not necessarily a conclusion, but sort of like. Yes, let's tell this story the way we wanted to finish this story off in an epic kind of way. And I think that movie, this movie coming up is going to do great. But now I'm worried. I'm like, oh, man, are we going to are you going to hit? Is history going to repeat itself where you keep making these sequels and it gets weird again? You know, like, I mean, right? are we going to have another are we going to have another diluted Halloween continuity to go yeah. along with the go along with the four other ones that we've already been trying to sort through? Because yeah, now I'm worried. I'm like, well, I was expecting he was I mean, not spoiler because I didn't watch it yet. I was thinking he was going to die. So it's like, is he I'm kind of hoping die? he does. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm kind of hoping he does. But but again, like, you know, maybe you know what? Maybe the sequel that they greenlit is actually like a remake of like the the third Halloween or something. Maybe it'll be a different <laughs> a different thing. You Maybe know, we can all, we can only John hope. Uh, try to do originally, which was make it an anthology series. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I definitely think that an anthology series 
would kind of fit because then you could do, you know, you could do a Halloween movie every year or every couple of years if it was an anthology series. You know, kind of like the Sharknado movies where they just do one every year. (laughs) Well, this, you know, this could actually, you know, this could actually work. I mean, or even like American Horror Story where it's like they do a whole different story, which is what, funny enough, like we're talking about what they tried to do with Season of the Witch, which failed because I would argue maybe it was ahead of its time. The idea of what he was trying to do with the franchise. I mean, I'm reminded of this scene in Season of the Witch where there's an actual ad on TV (laughs) for for Halloween with Michael Myers as a a movie. So so that's how you know Season of the Witch doesn't even take place in the world of Michael Myers. Even to Season of the Witch, to Halloween, Halloween was self-aware. So to Season of the Witch, Halloween was just a movie. So I I kind of, I, I, I look at it like that and I say, well, wow, if they could do that, they were ahead of their time. Oh, yeah, for sure. They were ahead of their time. And I kind of do wonder, like you were just with your news of them doing a sequel to this sequel, that maybe they may try to revisit that idea. Maybe at the time, you know, people were attached to Michael Myers. Michael Myers had became a phenomenon. So it was like the third one people are expecting Michael Myers, like the idea of doing I mean, they tried to do the same thing with Friday the 13th, right? Like there was a thing of new blood and it wasn't. Uh, well, not New Blood. It was the one where it wasn't uh, Jason. It was the paramedic guy. People hated that film because everyone yeah. was like, you have to have Jason in this film. And that's how it was with Michael Myers, right? It's like, you can't not have the Halloween is Michael Myers, but maybe with this, the sequel, maybe it won't be Michael Myers. Maybe they'll do an anthology thing because maybe we'll be more, maybe the world will be more receptive to it, I would hope. Uh, especially, just- especially if going back to what you said, they provide us with a very satisfying conclusion to Michael Myers' story. I need Jamie Lee Curtis's glory to win. That's what I need. I do, too. I, I do, too, yes. One of the reasons <laughs> why, um, I was actually a theater major in college, and I was Me I took too. theater in high school and, and other things. I don't really pursue acting now, although I'm totally down to be in horror pictures. That's the only kind of acting I want to do. But that was the acting I started off with. And I told my mom, one of the reasons why I got into theater was I did not, it wasn't Oscars. I didn't want to be Meryl Streep or anything like that. I told my mom, I was like, I want to be Jamie Lee Curtis. I want to be a screen queen. That was exactly why I got into acting of any sort. It was, it was always connected to horror for me. So in this, so I, I'm excited about this sequel because I like I want to see her really win. Because in the other sequel, she won too, but she was like in the hospital and she was kind of like very vulnerable and stuff. In this one, she's like a badass, you know. And I'm just like we that would be very satisfying, especially in this political climate. I think it would be very satisfying. And I'm just a little worried now <laughs> that they were gonna get some fake out at the end that he somehow pops back up and it was the ambulance all over again. Or something. Yeah, that would be, I think that would be a bad direction. And I, you know, and I have to say, you know, if they're gonna go, I mean, having decided to go this route and to make a movie that's more grounded and more realistic, it seems like the idea would be to give him a satisfying conclusion. Because I think they've even got, they even have the original actor who played Michael Myers in the original film. Mm hmm. They doing do. him that, doing him now. So 
you know, my but my thought process is, yeah, if he's just a mortal man, you could you could theoretically kill him off and make a really great, satisfying conclusion to the movie, and then whatever you do next could be in some ways a sequel. But if they do Halloween the way John Carpenter wanted, it would be an anthology. So that's what I'm hoping that they do. I'm with you on that 100. percent For sure, that would be that'd be that would be beautiful. And so I, you know, what since I know that you are, you are, uh, you are such a, you are such a busy, awesome person, and you have <laughs> other things coming up. I just want to, you know, give you the last few minutes of this hour to just let everybody know where they can find you and what big project, if any, that you have coming up next. Yeah, well, um, you can find me on Twitter for sure. On as I was joking before the show started with my horror rants and other um, things where I talk about uh, horror and also politics. Uh, you can also find me. I do uh, one of my other lion's share of my energy does go to political journalism. Uh, where I do incorporate horror sometimes with my film criticism as well on People's World and uh, peoplesworld.org, my The Twisted Girl Next Door uh, YouTube channel, where, you know, I do all things horror, not just movie reviews, but also trailer reactions with all those faces we were talking about earlier. Um, I kind of talk about my writing and other things. And actually, um, and I'll have more of an official announcement, but I guess I'll announce publicly, this is the first time I'll be announcing this publicly, is I'm going to be also featured in the 80s horror documentary series that um, just had a successful Kickstarter, actually. And it's talking about all the great things, all the great horror of the 80s. I will be in that documentary. Um, yeah, coming soon. So I'm excited That's about awesome. that. That's awesome. I'm super excited about that as well. And you know what? I just want to say thank you very much for joining me tonight. It's absolutely a pleasure speaking with you and having you on here. And I sure hope I get to have you on the show again because you are awesome. Yeah, I'm like Michael Myers. You can't get rid of me. I will be back. <laughs> That's great. That, that is great. That is great. That is great. And you know what? I'm I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start the Twitter hashtag to get you as the uh, vampire nurse in the Conjuring universe because I think that I think that needs to happen. I mean, that would be absolutely epic. I'd love so, it. So, so I'm I'm gonna go ahead and uh, since you are heading out, I'm gonna ha go ahead and end tonight's show a little bit early because I am just so hyped up and I want to get this I want to get this online, get this on SoundCloud so that everybody gets a chance to hear it. So thank you very much, much uh, Chauncey, for being here, and thank you everyone for listening to the Zod Rider Show, and we will be back next week. You've been listening to PSN-Radio.com. Have a wonderful evening.